If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adelia Jr. Joining me is Gameonesis, a.k.a. Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? Janet, what do you think is going through Clawmaster's mind right now? I I don't even know where to begin with that answer. <laughs> Clawmaster is a person in chat who, right before the show, chatted, Oh man, I hope Gary, I hope Gary Witta makes it on today's show. To which I replied, Oh yeah, it's a Gary and Fran Mirabella day. We got him. Oh, we got hilarious. him. Got him we got him real good. He had no Fools. idea. Yeah, April Fools. We're like, well, we're four days. What what month is it? Well, God, we're in May. <laughs> I was gonna yeah, say we're four days day. in April. We're four days into May. That's probably the where the Witta request comes from, because Sarah's day. But I will say if if y'all in chat are like, oh, that's such a whack joke, um, just reflect on all the jokes you throw at us at every second and every day in this chat, because it's the, oh, it's we the got same him. energy. That's two goddams in, in one intro, Janet. Me and you are on fire today. Janet, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty good. You know, I woke up in time to do at least one task, and that's good enough for me. You know, I got what my shower in. I got my shower in, and then I just poured mm-hmm. some coffee. So mm. it's not it's not that glamorous, but for me, I'm like you know I read some stuff before as well. So you know, like checking out checking out what's going on with the show. But yeah, what about you? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's been a very standard. Let's say Wednesday. It's been a very standard Wait, Wednesday. I did get my Starbucks. I had my nice. small iced coffee. I got my croissant. You know, like it's been one of those days where by I got home from Starbucks and I was just like, yeah, it's a weekday. Why do <laughs> you, you know? get the small and not the medium? Why not? I, I don't even finish the small, if I'm being honest. Really? I drink like half of this thing, yeah. Why? Why do you even get it at this point? Just for the vibes? I, I respect it. Pretty much. It's like a <laughs> it's like a placebo effect situation where I take okay. two sips of the coffee and I feel the effect. Except for today, where I'm very, you did I'm have a, not feeling the effect. You did have a tea kick, and tea is like a little, uh, it's a different type of caffeine intensity. So I think like when you got back kind of going to the Starbucks uh, coffee route, like that was a lot for you to go back to. Yeah. How long have you been drinking coffee, real quick? Because that this could be a whole a whole separate segment. A while, but... well, a while. Because before this job, I worked at Starbucks headquarters, and I worked there oh. starting in like. Do you know how to like make all the drinks and stuff? No. Or did you no. like were you doing something else? Like were you not a barista? Were you like? In no, the I wasn't a barista. I like I worked in like the fi- financial lease department. So basically, I did okay. like a lot of like lease work and a lot of admin stuff. Um, but on each floor are multiple multiple kitchens um and there's always somebody who does know how to make coffee at starbucks like somebody's going to make the coffee and then like you just go and you take partake from the pot they made and it's great um but when i was there i did drink coffee but that's where that's where i realized that i preferred tea a bit more because it didn't like the way coffee made me feel because like Mm. one i like i'll drink coffee i think i get like the harder coffee crash which i was never a fan of but then also like you know coffee makes your stomach do wild things just pile it on yeah, it's like alcohol, like that's you just never solution. stop drinking it, and then you never feel the downside. You know? Yeah, See, like, that, I, coffee crash, like, I don't addiction. relate. Well, maybe it's why, is that why I always need a nap all the time? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I mean, probably, yeah. I, like, I have the post, you probably have this too, the post-KFGD, like, crash, 
where you're like, man, I, I just I just did a high energy activity. I'm going to lay down for a bit and then you wake up and it's 4 p.m. Yep. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, like I was drinking coffee there. And then after a while, I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to transition to tea because they had a lot of tea in that uh, in that office as well. And like that's where I really started to gain a love for tea because I started to discover different flavors of tea. And I started to like get into like the mint teas i started getting into like the chamomiles even though chamomile you probably shouldn't have until like before bed because it's like yeah. there's no caffeine in that thing sleepy tea very yeah it's like a very much a sleepy tea um but i i, I kind of waned off of coffee then and then now like working out kind of funny is what brought me back to coffee in a bigger way because i found that i could really use the burst of energy especially before hosting a kind of funny games daily but it's the thing of trying to find the balance like i've gone i've gone through a journey since hosting kind of funny games daily where like i started off i was doing tea i was like oh tea is working tea was not working decided to move to coffee coffee was working but it was working a little bit too well to where now i feel like i am like too energied up you know like i'm like yeah. i'm like shaky i have the you're coffee like on that border but you're like becoming greg you know it's like yeah, past yeah. The, when you pass that threshold you can't come your back your power is going above nine uh, nine thousand you know yeah, yeah some would say some would and say. then i started like microdosing coffee <laughs> like I was, I'll, I'll drink sips just to see like how far i could go with it or right? like where like the, the nice sweet spot was but i've also found that like there's just a very there's just a big inconsistency with me and how i react to coffee like it depends That's on fair. time of day it depends on if i've eaten it depends on how much water i drank to start the day off with it's a whole there's a whole science experiment going on with my body that i've still not have gotten to the bottom of um but that said like I'm this is part of the routine now. I think half of why I go out and get coffee nowadays is to literally just leave my apartment because I could DoorDash coffee all day, every day. That's what um, I feel like Snow DoorDash Mike Mike does. That's so. I feel like if you're DoorDashing coffee, I'm just gonna throw out there. I don't know Snowbike Mike's finances. I feel like you're in a different tax bracket than me. If you're out here DoorDashing coffee, like no, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I can't get with it. It's too much. And like, I just like leaving the the apartment is the thing. Yeah. Like, I, I do like the ritual of actually going on the drive and coming back and like getting the sunlight because that's the thing that I was missing a lot during the pandemic no yeah sunlight. that and like this sounds so dark you know real quick before we get into the you know all the stuff of the show but like just getting air like fresh air I'm like y'all breathe this air lately it's, it's different than yeah. inside air oh it's my god yeah it's this so air. rough dude nature hits differently no, nowadays it does I'm like yo the graphics on this thing is insane did I tell you about how I had a moment when uh when I was weeks into Elden Ring I, uh, there's so many moments in Elden Ring where it's like, man, this view is gorgeous. Wow, I can't believe they're able to pull off like this design in the world and the environments. I sure. a few weeks into playing Elden Ring, I I was on a McDonald's run, not in the game in real life. <laughs> I go to McDonald's, I go through the drive-through, and as I'm turning out of the drive-through, I like get a view because San Francisco is very hilly, right? Like, I got a view of like a very like a, a like a what like a downturn of a hill, like sure. going for like probably like a mile. And I saw the view and I was like. Wow, like that is the graphics here are gorgeous, and like that's when it hit me that I was playing oh, too much. God. <laughs> I was like, God, what is wrong with my brain that I like? I looked at a view in real life, and I really like, thought that, like, man, there's design is wrong with your, so blade, with your brain, as we know, with how you make your waffles, with all of the stuff that you do. You know, like there's plenty every of now and then I get a tweet that is like, no, bless everyone else is crazy. The microwaving of waffles is an acceptable yeah, way, to and make that's them. every yeah, once in a while. Because every know, once like, in a while, you get another psychopath who's like, oh yeah, like I finally found you know my people here you're not getting that's why i know i'm in a simulation tweets, you know of the majority of <laughs> oh, yeah. people being like oh that's yeah that's why i know we're in a simulation though because like as i say it i'm like this is such like there's nothing wrong with this it is such a normal thing to want to microwave waffles and everybody else is acting like it's crazy but me I, I know it's normal but then i get one of those tweets where it's like no blessing you're right and i'm like cool this person is also in the simulation that i am like they're I one of the chosen ones hey my boyfriend isaiah did say that he has microwaved waffles before thank you see isaiah is one of the chosen ones 
he's like, I don't even know how to react to that. I don't um, think we should be calling y'all chosen ones. Definitely. I, I just can't stand in general when in my own household, like Isaiah will be like, you know, I played this game and Barrett's right. I'm like, I get enough of this at work. Okay. I don't need this at but home too. Here's the thing, right? Three chat be, says, is this confirmation that Isaiah has been playing Psychonauts 2 or what's up? No, no, no. This was for like when he played, tried to play Jack 2 and he thought it was awful. He's like, yeah, no, Barrett's yeah, making some points. Yeah. I'm like, you know mm. what? Like, somebody stop. in chat said, are you chosen or are you lazy? To be clear, it takes less time to toast these waffles than to microwave these waffles. I'm putting them in there for two minutes at a time. I can get that thing toasted in like 30 seconds. I imagine. I've never done it before. That's why I've done it before. Uh, but no, it's not out of laziness. I had a toaster growing up. I just decided not to use it because soft, the soft Look, pillow-like waffles was just the way to go, breakfast. At Blessings Place, it's going to be a two sips of a tall Starbucks coffee <laughs> and a soggy waffle <laughs> waiting for you. Janet, enough about my my exquisite taste in breakfast let's talk about today's stories which include a huge report regarding nintendo's company culture overwatch 2 updates and more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every week at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosteeth.com or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you a new kind of funny podcast is up right now with the crew talking about the best and worst streaming services there's also a doctor strange multiverse of madness spoiler free screencast review those are up right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny and on podcast services around the globe and then over on kind of funny games we've got a new episode of kind of funny wrestling where joey noel is wreaking absolute havoc that is up right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny games Thank you to our Patreon producers, Anonymous and Fargo Brady. Today we're brought to you by ExpressVPN, Chime, and Babbel, but we'll babble on about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have seven stories today. Uh, Baker's Dozen. I gotta, I gotta check out what's going on in Slack because you guys are, are messaging back and forth in Slack here. Uh, Janet it's not said, anything. It's just dumb. It's don't Janet, even, what is this? Go. Guys, we just have go. seven news stories. We're ten minutes go. into the show. Go. Let's start Post with show. story number one. Nintendo contractors criticize the the company culture and treatment. Uh, this is from Jeffrey Rousseau at GamesIndustry.biz, and this also comes. I should preface this with with this comes off of a uh, magnificent IGN report from Cat Bailey over there. She put out a report where she's talking to a bunch of different sources about. Uh, uh, what, what's been going on at Nintendo regarding contractors uh, in the workplace environment. Um, that is the full report. I'm pulling from GamesIndustry.biz just because it's more concise, but we will, uh, me and Janet have both read the IGN article and we'll cite what's going on there as well. But to jump into GamesIndustry.biz, the company itself reported a turnover of 4.7% as of last year, as full-time employees commonly stay on for years or even decades. Our resources said contractors commonly exit the company in under a year. And again, this is uh, them talking about uh, uh, Nintendo of america specifically one source said actually hold on, hold on let me check something real quick because i feel like this is the middle of the article and i don't think that's right <laughs> i'm gonna go over to games is scrolling back down making sure this is all on the up and up okay here we go i'm just gonna read directly from the website because i think something went wrong with the copy and paste it reads like this 
Contractors for Nintendo of America have described a growing sense of discontent due to the disparity between how the company treats themselves uh, and its full-time workers, according to an IGN report in which the outlet spoke with a, with a dozen current and former employee sources. For example, the publisher is reportedly reluctant to convert and or hire full-time staffers, which has resulted in no clear career path for contractors to become NOA employees and led to increased turnover for contractors as well. The company itself reported a turnover of 4.7% as of last year, as full-time employees commonly stay on for years or even decades. However, sources said contractors commonly exit the company in under a year. One source said a death in the family forced her to return home partway through an interview process for a full-time position, which led to the interviewer telling, telling her she had, quote, attendance issues. IGN's report notes that some past business decisions that the company made were not well-received among its staff, such as the unexpected shuttering of its Redwood City's office location. Quote, the sense that I got was that a lot of people were working from home successfully. Then Nintendo closed the Redwood City office and said none of you can stay in California. You have to move here or leave, a source told IGN. Quote, and that was just another nail in the coffin of the backward, antiquated way of thinking about a company, end quote. With regards to growing discontent, sources also said that part-timer restrictions to company events, activities, and even attendance policies have led them to, to feeling like second-class citizens. The report also includes comment from former uh, Nintendo of America president Reggie fils which IGN was interviewing separately about his new book. fils said that during his tenure at the firm, uh, dur during his ten tenure, the firm had routinely hired contractors as full-timers. Quote, I've read the same stories, this division between contract and full-time employees. All I can say is that this is, not the, this is not at all the culture that I left as I retired from Nintendo, fils said. The IGN, IGN report follows two weeks after a similar report from Kotaku, which alleged that the Mario Maker maintained cyclical contract work for low wages, expected overtime, and a lack of benefits. Janet, again, that is the games um, uh, uh, uh boil down of the IGN article. Is there more you want to add to this? Um, I think really just an emphasis on how much work, like at least from you know the report, like some of the quotes that were like brought up from like. Um, you know, Bailey's, you know, reporting on it, um, specifically like people talking about the amount of work they did as contractors and that kind of feeling of like there's one line from somebody where they say, like, I was looking around and wondering, why am I not a red badge yet? You know, why am I a blue badge contractor if I'm kind of responsible for so many things? Um, talking about, I think, too, uh, again, really emphasizing the strain that it puts on full-time employees by having such a heavy reliance on contract work to the point where there was, at one point, someone described it as there was, like, barely any time to even get, like, training from full-time employees. Like, it was at the point where it was just contractors, like, instructing other contractors because things were so busy. Um, talking about the challenges, I think, of having contractors having like required breaks after like really long projects, but then having to sort of shuffle around, okay, well, who's doing this coverage? Like sort of the overall description of it sounded like it is kind of, I don't wanna say like barely hanging on, cause that sounds super dramatic in terms of how like the infrastructure is run, but that there's not, at least they act as if there's not a lot of wiggle room in terms of getting the coverage needed. Um, and then I think, too, like the real big takeaway from this story is sort of, I think, the split between the Nintendo that we often hear about, which I, too, have you know heard the stat of how much retention they have compared to other companies, you know, 4.7 percent, like I think is the turnover rate at like Nintendo America compared mm -hmm. to like 13 percent, which is like the average at, you know, similar tech companies. Um, but then you think of how much higher that turnover is for contractors. And, you know, overall, I think this does speak to 
just what we generally see, not just in contracting and tech, but I think also in freelance in general. A lot of times freelance workers, like at least in my experience, like having done like freelance in this industry, it is that, you know, you're there to fall on the sword to try and like keep things going for like the full-time employees that are there. Um, not to say that full-time automatically means that you don't have any problems at work or that you don't also struggle with like those work-life balance issues that are being described here. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, and the truth is like a lot of people don't end up making it out and then they end up just kind of like, it, it does get really dark where you end up having these circumstances where companies are sort of just shuffling through different contractors, uh, again, be it tech or other industries, which, uh, you know, Kat put up a uh, tweet thread after this kind of adding a couple additional notes and talking about, yeah, perma contractors, it's, it is super common. I note that a lot in the article, um, but that has put a strain on like the full-time employee infrastructure. And then she yeah. ends by saying that she doesn't think that perma contracting is an inevitable fact in tech. I think too, another thing that this article brings up for me is the idea of like, um, almost like that, uh, there's a TikTok audio that's been going around from like Parks and Rec of like, who broke it? Like, what was the problem that, you know, obviously like Reggie's out here talking about that's not the, you know, culture that he established um, in Kat's reporting. It also goes into the details of like, even before he was hired, like he was talking about the vision he had for how HR and how the company operated and, and how he, how important it was for him to like be able to execute his vision of creating like a better infrastructure for employees. Um, but then it's also like brings in that question of, okay, well then like who or what group of people are really at the helm of this problem? And you know, what will it take to have that cultural shift? Is it true that the people in charge now just don't share that vision? Again, that's just, that's us kind of assuming that we just take it at face value of that Reggie says this and it's, you know, completely true and aligns and that that really is sort of the arc of the timeline here. Um, but you know, that being said, then it's, is there an end for this structure if people don't really care to end up changing it? And, you know, what does this mean for, like, I think the future of, like, Nintendo as a whole, especially in terms of getting new talent where they have so many people that are there for so long and they seem so reluctant to end up hiring? Um, you know, yeah, those are just kind of things that sort of ran through my mind reading through this um, and, and getting to know more about the company outside of the, we have a great retention rate. People stay here for a bunch of years. Everyone loves it. And like Mario's walking around, except he's yeah. not actually walking around because I visited and he wasn't there and I was very disappointed. Oh, Mario wasn't there. Uh, no, was I, asked, there. I was like, can I, <laughs> it's like, I was like, Hey, like, I was like, is Mario here? Like I like want a picture with Mario. And then the person showing me around was you like, were, no, you didn't we... really ask is Mario here. Yes, I did. I guess I did. Cause That's... I'm dumb. Yeah. I mean, it was like a friend showing me around. It wasn't like I was just, you know, I would have asked anybody regardless. Like, I, you, you got to ask your dumb questions. So I was like, is, you know, is Mario around? Like, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, no, we Mario only bring him out for. And Mario was missing. They're like, oh, we only bring him out for, like, kids' situations. Like, you know, Mario's not coming out to see you. Were you there um, like, but... I am a kid. Bring Mario out. I want to see No, him. I was there. You know, they, it, and it's fun. Interestingly enough, too, like, having visited, like, you know, they mentioned in this article, like, Cafe Mario and how well, that's, like, the cafeteria they have and how, like, contractors, mm -hmm. like, aren't allowed there. Again, I think one one thing that I like about how this article, like, the full report is structured is it does kind of how it paints that picture of, like, the awesome campus with like you know the soccer yeah. field and, and cafe mario and all these cool things um but then there's also like this other building where like the contractors are and how there is that divide and i think elements of that divide are part of freelance versus full-time but it also mm -hmm. speaks to like i think a deeper cultural and um work-life balance and compensation divide that often exists uh, yeah between like how you treat somebody groups. who's a contractor versus how you treat somebody who's full-time and i think it yeah. becomes a problem when it is Cool, I'm a contractor, but now I'm basically a contractor full time because you guys aren't converting me into yeah. an actual full time employee. 
you're on the hook and that does and and i think that's where things turn into a problem right like if you're a contractor for a month or two months or, or, or whatever like you know this seems like it's a bit more traditional in terms of okay yeah like maybe i won't go to a company party or maybe i won't be able to to check out the soccer field or or like the amenities that are available for full-time employees but when you're there for years and years and you are waiting to get converted into full-time and that doesn't happen i think that's where bigger problems lay especially when you have more and more people that end up coming on as contractors i think that becomes a problem and to reference what you're referencing right in terms of how cat bailey sets the tone in her article i want to read it because i think it is like it's beautifully beautifully written and i think it does show the contrast real well right the article begins like this and this is directly from IGN again from Cat Bailey. In 2010, Nintendo of America opened its brand new headquarters in Redmond, Washington, on a 10-acre plot owned by the company since the early 1980s. The late Satoru Iwata uh, cut the ribbon on the state-of-the-art facility alongside then-Washington State Governor Chris Gregoire on a, quote, gleaming 300,000-square-foot facility with, quote, cushioned benches shaped like D-pads and a Mario Kart-themed parking garage. It was everything a Nintendo fan could imagine, right down to the main boardroom being known as the Master Sword. Across the way, past a soccer pitch of the sort uh, of the sort one often sees on West Coast tech campuses, is a much older building that isn't nearly as well known. A former warehouse that houses a hodgepodge of departments ranging from data science to product testing and development. It, in some ways, harkens back to the days when NOA was simply an arcade distributor uh, operating out of New Jersey. The warehouse doors are still visible, and the freight elevator near the greeting, de greeting desk uh, will sometimes get stuck open and make loud gr grinding noises. While Nintendo has spruced up the decoration with some Mario-themed diagrams, it's otherwise a nondescript work area uh, with an atmosphere akin to a library. In contrast to the ultra-modern facilities nearby, many of the workers are toiling away on outdated equipment and software, with software that looks like it's running on Windows XP and a database that dates back to the 90s. Until just a few years ago, it was still possible to find bins of old VHS tapes filled with bug recordings in the PTD area. Secrecy, constant software uh, crashes, and the ever-present need for translation of messages from the Japanese headquarters frequently slows work to a crawl. A large percentage of the workers inhabiting this building are contractors, many of whom increasingly see themselves as second-class citizens with no hope of earning one of the coveted red badges that, that can grant them unfettered access to the building just across the way, or even just the soccer pitch, which is also off-limits. The building doesn't just represent more comfort, it stands for job security, career progression, and even a basic professional respect that many contractors don't feel in their day-to-day -day life at the company. As I was reading through, and this is me, uh, this is this is out, me jumping out of Cat Bailey's article and just talking now, right? As I was reading through this article, it reminded me so much of my previous job working uh, at Starbucks, because like technically, right? I so I started off as a contractor working for not actually Starbucks, working for a, a real estate company that was contracted by Starbucks. So basically, I was con I was a contractor for a contracted company. Uh, and sure. as I was reading through this, I was like, man, I relate so hard to so much of this, right? Like mm -hmm. having to, when I, for the first like month of working there, right? Having to call up a supervisor to let me in right before I was in, uh, I eventually was able to get a badge, uh, uh, not showing up to company events. Right. And that went on for, I want to say like nine months to a year. And even that felt like a very long time. Uh, and it was, and that was probably because the contracting company that I worked for, um, not, not the company that, that was contracted by Starbucks, but the one that hired me to then get, to then get me hired at the contracting company wasn't really a great one, right? Like it costed them money to eventually buy me out of my contract to then be able to work for, for that. Um, you lose out on, as a worker, right? You lose out on so many of the perks, so many of the amenities, so many of the things that makes working at a place like this worth working at a place like that, right? And I think the feeling of being a second-class citizen 
is very much the accurate description of what that feels like. And I can definitely feel that, especially if it is a thing of, hey, I am doing legitimate work, right? Like, I, then this is me again talking to, to, about the folks at Nintendo, right? It sounds like a lot of these contractors are doing legitimate work. It sounds like they are do, uh, doing things that are necessary from localization to QA to um, like marketing to like actual jobs that would warrant you being brought onto the team after a while. And it seems like them not even, them not getting hired feeds into this big snowball effect that affects other things. In the article, they talk about how um, after like 11 or so months, you then have to take two months off as a mm -hmm. contractor or else that breaches your contract, right? And so with that, what that means is for those two months that you're off, somebody else has to pick up that work yep. and that is fucking up um, uh, processes, right? Like that is fucking up people's bandwidth. That is fucking up like times a day. Like that is fucking up a lot of things in terms of that process. That is a very small way that if, that that affects the rest of the team and the, and the, the like, the production of the team, right? Beyond just like certain employees not being able to be brought on full time. It's a very fascinating article that I, I recommend anybody go check out if you're even curious about this stuff in Nintendo. And I think the other thing too, to, to add, add on to it, is to bring it back top level, one of the big reasons I find this article or this report fascinating is the fact that we never hear this shit about Nintendo. Mm -hmm. Like Nintendo, talking to people in the industry, Nintendo has always seemed like the one company that doesn't get reported on in this way because they have had such a clean track record and and maybe it has been that so much of it has just been hidden right they do such a good job at hiding the stuff that that goes on but compared to like ubisoft we hear this stuff all the time right ea we hear this stuff all the time activision like all that stuff is pouring out in terms of um the stuff that gets reported there in terms of workplace conduct and culture and all that stuff and, and granted like i think this contractor situation is a stark contrast from like the activision blizzard right. abuse that goes on there right completely different story about what's going on here but nintendo is usually very buttoned up so it's very fascinating to see this re report come out and actually grant a glimpse into what actually goes on there yeah and then just really quick before we move on i just want to like highlight a couple other quick things from the article um the conversation around like the localization team specifically and like how that demand has nearly doubled you know reportedly but there haven't been any full-time hires in contrast to like the pokemon company which like now has their own localization team that's full-time uh and again it's like the the thing that ends up becoming like too like you never want that disconnect between contractor and full-time staff to be like too big in terms of numbers because like contractors should be used as their Kind of what the idea is of them, where it's like, hey, we need some extra help. Yeah, or it's, like, it's we supposed wanna... to be a way to supplement. Like, I remember reading an yes. article years ago from, I think it was from Reggie, actually. I believe it was Reggie's interview with Waypoint when he was exiting from Nintendo. And they were talking about how Nintendo avoids crunch, right? How does Nintendo, when all when all these other video game companies uh, struggle with crunch and struggle with meeting deadlines and all that stuff, how does Nintendo do it? And Reggie always talked about, yeah, we hire up, right? Like, we don't we don't force our workers to stay overtime to like get a thing done. Instead, we hire contractors for a period of time, right? And like, that doesn't mean you hire them on full time and then not bring them on, right? It doesn't mean you keep them on for three years or whatever. It does mean you hire them on for the months or however long uh, you need to get that project done. And then like you either hire them on full time or you let them go. Um, that's the way that I think contractors should be used, right? As a yeah. tool, not necessarily as something to lean on full time. And then it ends up being like such a problem, I think. And again, some of this is me speaking from like my experiences of seeing like freelancers in the industry and how, because again, it's a lot of the same like ideologies of like pulling in extra help um, mm -hmm. where they'll be there. It's like, it gets to that point where they're like, well, we, we like you for being a contractor 
and we're just never really going to hire. Why would I want to pay the extra to give you like, there, you know, so many more expenses that go into like an employee than just their salary. You know, there's like all the additional contracts. There's the health care. There's like, like, why do why should I like make this official? I already have all that I need from you and maybe even more. So it's like you have all the responsibilities and the weight. I think, too, with contracting, it's so challenging in that you are often, again, the sort of. Uh, I don't want to say last resort because that sounds like kind of inherently negative, but it's like you're, mm -hmm. we need the extra help. So like we're relying on you. There's like an extra weight, I think, that goes into contracting that doesn't get talked about enough. And again, there is that outside of maybe even like explicit cultural pressure to do more. There's the internal one of like, I want to be the absolute best worker I can be. And I don't want to miss anything because like I'm trying to get hired. Like I'm chasing trying to get that full time position. And, you know, they're going to I don't want to be the weakest link here. So there is that pressure to like take on everything. I mean, like when I was freelancing at a much more extreme rate, like I had to work for everything. You know, I was the one working during Thanksgiving because that's how the employees got their time off. Like I was, you know, yep. like I had to do that. Um, and, and that's just kind of the way of like how those industries have to function because obviously like sometimes you might need coverage and those those situations might come up. I don't think that's like necessarily the most egregious thing, but I think there are examples of the ways that like in general tech or writing like freelancers are often making and contractors are making a lot of sacrifices. And yes, the goal is for that mobility. And without that mobility, there becomes stagnation, burnout, and it just becomes a really bad situation, I think, for everyone kind of involved. Um, so, you know, I think hopefully from this we see a general better treatment of contractors, both at, at Nintendo and also throughout the industry. Um, it'll be interesting to see, too, like what what really comes of this, because one of the things the article talks about is, you know, how much is Nintendo like aware or do they care about like the reportings that have been happening in addition to like the IGN one, of course, is the Kotaku reports and all the other ones. And they mentioned like in the article, like employees thinking, oh, I wonder, like, has, has Japan heard about this? And if so, what do they think? So I think it'll be. The interesting thing is because Nintendo is so, like, quiet um, and secretive, like, I don't know how much more of a follow-up we'll really get on this story specifically, but, you know, hopefully, if nothing else, we see them start to shift towards more of those full-time positions, and, you know, maybe this does end up making, so. making the splash. I think for Nintendo, who is so precious about their um like perception how people how people perceive them like what they're like especially for nintendo america that is like beholden to what's going on in japan right like they want to be the the darling they want to be the sweetheart they want to be folks that are known for like excellence right and i think for how rare these these reports are because i think there is there is such this like culture of of secrets at nintendo but then also like I, it seems like they tend to operate above the board most of the time. And that's me That's me very much like anecdotally just looking at right. them compared to like what, what I hear about Nintendo versus what I hear about other companies. Um, I, would, I would think that them seeing this would cause some sort some level of shift or some level of self-reflection. But that, that said, right, like it seems like for what the problem is, it's going to take a large ship turning, right? It's going to take a lot of effort to figure out what to do with all these contractors that they have and the workflow that they have because – redefining your workflow is difficult that is not an easy thing to do yeah. when you have all these people and you have something that may or may not work for you um i also think the interesting thing would be to look at how this happens right like how do you get to this place and there i want to go back to the to the cat bailey article for one more thing um uh, i want to reference here because she does have a segment here that talks about like the shift that happened around 2015 for Nintendo. So to hop in back into the middle of the article, and again, I 1,000% recommend, if you are fascinated with the story, go to the IGN article. It is long, but it is a very good read. Cat Bailey absolutely killed it. Um, but jumping into the middle of it, where she talks about changing times for Nintendo, it reads like this. 
Most employees uh, IGN spoke with agree that Nintendo of America's culture started to shift around 2015. It was a particularly tumultuous period in Nintendo's history, noted for the struggles of the Wii U and the sudden death of CEO Satoru Iwata. It was a sharp contrast of, uh, to the opening of the new NOA headquarters just five years before, when the company was still enjoying the double success of the Nintendo DS and Nintendo Wii, two of the biggest bets in Nintendo history. Jen, a former contractor who was, who was at Nintendo for 10 years, remembers both of these eras. Speaking with IGN over Zoom, she talks about how there were, there were many opportunities to become a full-time employee at NOA when she first started, even for support specialists working in areas like the call center. Quote, when I was there, contractors actually had a path to employment. In 2009, you could be a, a phone rep and an NOA red badger, and I started aiming for that. And I aimed pretty high, trying to get as many cases as possible, Jen says. Business was booming for Nintendo in 2009. In December alone, Nintendo sold some 3 million Wii consoles, fueled by a price cut earlier that year. Nintendo's big bet on motion controls and the blue ocean had paid off spectacularly, but the good times would soon, soon be coming to an end for Nintendo. The Nintendo 3DS was released in 2011 and immediately stalled, burdened by the lack of compelling launch lineup, uh, the rise of smartphones, and the $249.99 uh, price point. Nintendo was forced to move aggressively, slashing the system's price and ruling out special benefits for existing owners. A year later, Nintendo released the Wii U, which fared even worse. Despite the downturn, uh, no one at NOA worried too much about layoffs. Nintendo was not that kind of company. In fact, Iwata famously took a 50% pay cut following the 3DS's sluggish launch, with other board members also taking similar pay decreases. Quote, I know that some employers publicized the restructuring plan to improve their financial performance by letting a number of employees go, but at Nintendo, employees make valuable contributions in their respective fields, so I believe that laying off a group of employees will not help to strengthen Nintendo's business in the long, long run, Iwata told investors back in 2013. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. They go on to like talk about um, uh, a lot of what Iwata was, uh, was doing there, right? Um, and they mentioned that like that was pretty much the start of the shift, right? After the passing of Iwata, after the, the downturn that you saw with the Wii U and the launch of the 3DS, and the 3DS would eventually go on to sell way more units, uh, it seemed like that caused a shift in terms of how, how the company started to look at money and hiring. And right now, it seems from the article, the sentiment is, hey, like, we do not have a lot of space to hire on full-time. Like, that is why we go with contractors, because we do want to kind of hold the line and not hire on a, a, a bunch of people to, to pay them and have to treat them like full-time folks when we can just have contractors mm -hmm. on. Uh, and so, again, I point you toward, toward the article if you want to learn more. Uh, but, Janet, before we move on, do you have any final thoughts on the story? think so i think the i mean the, the final thought i want to leave is it's always important to i think be wary and also aware that like every company is going to have its problems and that like hopefully this doesn't come as like a crazy shock to people the idea that there would be anything negative to say about a nintendo i issues. mean yeah exactly and that's not to say that this means that oh like it's no big deal because everyone has problems but just to say that like never take those things at face value in terms of oh yeah this is like a great place to work and everything's great and like there's low turnover like everything's gonna have like it's different issues and it's of no surprise that like this would be a pain point um you know no hopefully we also like hear more about i guess like the contractor side of things like obviously i know like there's a big difference between full-time and contracting but i think every you know i'm of the mind that like every worker should be treated with you know respect and and given like you know, a path to being full time and, and also having like transparency and like what their, you know, path in their career is. Um, that's like an ideal situation. So, you know, hopefully maybe we hear more about this from like other companies and how they approach contracting. And that becomes like another, I think, pillar for trying to move workers rights forward in the industry.
100%. Uh, Janet, I want to take a break for a second to let people out there know that you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. Shout out to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like walking your dog in public without securing them on a leash. Most of the time, you'll probably be fine. But what if one day your dog runs away or gets dognapped? It's better to be careful, especially when it's as simple as using ExpressVPN. We've been using ExpressVPN here at Kind of Funny for years now. Me personally, I've been using it, and I know that my internet browsing is secure. It just gives me that peace of mind that I need. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, your online data is not secure but expressvpn creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so they can't and it's great i use it on my desktop i use it on my phone i use it everywhere that i use the internet it would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past expressvpn's encryption you can get an extra three months of expressvpn at expressvpn.com slash kind of funny that's expressvpn.com slash kind of funny e-x-p-r-e-s-s-v vpn.com slash kinda funny shout out to chime for sponsoring this episode no one likes waiting on a paycheck especially when you've got bills due good thing there's chime now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit that's up to two more days to save pay bills and generally just feel good about your money situation but chime is more than just about getting paid early it's also an award-winning mobile app checking account debit card and optional savings account so what are you waiting for? Hopefully not your paycheck. You can get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes. You can get started at Chime.com slash KF Games. That's Chime.com slash KF Games. C-H-I-M-E dot com slash KF Games. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on Hair. Shout out to Babbel for sponsoring this episode. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. Definitely not me. I took Spanish, didn't do well in it the first time, did okay the second time. You know what? We'll move on. Now, thanks to Babbel, a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. Greg Miller has been learning French little by little, and now when he goes back home to, to Canada to see Jen's family, he'll be able to communicate better. Isn't that a lovely situation? Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Right now, you can save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash kindoffunny. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash kindoffunny for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. One more time, babbel.com slash kindoffunny. Janet, let's talk about story number two. Blizzard has discussed Overwatch 2 updates. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. <clears throat> Excuse me. Blizzard has shared. I like almost choked for a second. I don't know if you saw that. Jane. Blizzard has shared early impressions of the Overwatch 2 beta and outlined what changes are coming as a result of player feedback. The biggest change is coming to support heroes with Blizzard accepting feedback that there is much more interesting new content for tank and damage players to explore. Quote, we believe we believe the most effective way to tackle this issue is to add exciting new support heroes to the game, Blizzard said in a blog post. The development team is almost is also working on updating current support heroes, though, uh, similar to how Doomfist and Arisa received reworks, which could be added to this beta, but will more likely be inclusions in later testing periods. Blizzard also confirmed that more brand new heroes will be joining 
Sojourn ahead of the official PvP launch, alongside more maps and features. The beta's UI, including menus, player profiles, and so on, will also receive a quote significant amount of overall polish and refinement ahead of the final release. The refreshed scoreboard, which removed both the fire and metal systems from Overwatch 1 and, pre and presents stats more traditionally, will be staying put. But Blizzard has further tweaks planned. Quote, a damage mitigated section will be added to track things like the amount of damage blocked or reduced uh, by abilities, including Anna's Nano Boost and Baptiste Immortality Field. Uh, Blizzard also clarifies that, uh, like the overall UI, the current scoreboard is not final and the development team is regularly testing different styles and layouts. Finally, major changes are coming to ranked play, but Blizzard didn't give much information about what these will be. Quote, we're planning some significant overhauls of our core ranked and competitive mode systems, end quote. Uh, it said, but those are not yet ready to test publicly at this scale. Janet, what, what is your vibe on Overwatch 2? It's been a week since the beta started. I'm, um, I don't know. I feel like it's, I have not had a lot of noise about it across my timeline, but again, that might speak to like who I follow versus the game itself. Um, it's interesting to see that they're like going to be rolling out updates even just for this beta. I mean, they did mention that like some of these things that they want to rework will be included in later testing periods, which also like begs the question of like how many, you know, what does the pre-launch rollout of this game look like in terms of like additional betas and testing? And, you know, at what point are they going to have those elements solidified? Um, but I think it's cool to, to see them kind of immediately implementing that feedback. And hopefully it's not, I think, too taxing because they're also working on, you know, the I'm imagining the final build like of the, you know, version one, even though they might have the version names differently. But like the mm -hmm. day one version of the game, um, you know, the commercial day one version of the game. So hopefully they're not, you know, stretching themselves too thin, trying to like work on this beta while they're also working on like the final product as well. Granted, those go hand in hand. So it's not like that work is for nothing, but um, getting those things out and working and all of that, um, I'm sure can be like strenuous in its own right. So, you know, hopefully they're finding that good balance between the two. Um, but yeah, like, what about you? Like, are, do these updates excite you? Like, what was your read on that initial time that you spent with the game so far? And, you know, what what is your plan leading up to the launch? Are you planning on like tuning into like all these betas and play tests? Or are you just gonna, you know, kind of at a certain point drop off and, and come back when it's finally like the you know final version of the game the day one version of the game rather i'm surprised that i've already dropped off of the beta like the beta is going for a while right i think it goes until about may 17th and i played for that first couple of days and i've not gone back since and i really i had a lot of fun for those first couple of days but i do i, I do think that the game still needs a lot more for it to feel like something way more fresh and, and way more new i like the fact that they're talking about uh new characters i think that's going to be big because i think soldier is a great start but you're going to need way more than just one new character. And they are reworking other characters, right? They talk about how, like, the they reworked Orisa and Doomfist. They're going to rework some of the support heroes as well. I think that'll be needed. Um, like, playing playing the game, especially for me, as, as I was playing a lot of my time as support, I was going back and forth between Mercy and Lucio. Both those characters feel the exact same as they did before. Like, they're, they're, they're barely any different. Um, and I think with that, if you're a support player that means that the game feels less new to you compared to if mm -hmm. you're a tank and you played as Doomfist or your attack and you played as Sojourn or you played as, uh, or you played as Riss as a tank too. Like a lot of the changes are on certain ends of the game and it feels like they are, it, it, it feels like, and th this is, this is me speculating, right? I think as a beta, as a beta that seems to be earlier, right? Cause I don't think the game is on the verge of coming, of coming out in the next few months. I think this is them trying to really gain feedback and trying to really figure out where how to grow the game from here. Um, I think the 5v5 shift uh, is good. I think the 
the uh, two tank or sorry one tank to support to dps uh balance i think is good i think the reworks that they made to the characters are good i think they could use a lot more of that and i think they know and i think that's why you you see the beta happening this early is because they're they're really trying to figure out like like how does the game play when it is in everybody's hands versus just a handful because you can't you really can't judge when it's only in a few people's hands like you really have to have people uh play it break it test it figure out who's op figure out who to adjust like you really need to have so many people uh, on this thing for a game as big as it is and for a game that i think from the get-go by overwatch 2 launch like it is like you're not going to have the time to really experiment in the way that overwatch one launched and there wasn't ranked right like obviously there was an overwatch league they didn't have this huge like competitive aspect to it and so they had right. time to launch it and have people go cool let's get a team of six torbjorns and go all turrets and go crazy right let's find the ways that we can break the game that's not a big deal at the start of overwatch one because it's still a brand new game they've yet to establish that whereas overwatch 2 i don't think that by the time you put out overwatch 2 it is all hands on deck. We're going hard. We're making. We're we're competitive from the get go. We're thinking about Overwatch League from the get go. We're thinking about it in those ways. And I think you want to have uh, people tested as much as possible before it actually comes out. Um, and so I'm I'm happy to see like they're already talking about the kinds of changes that they're thinking about. The UI stuff I'm I'm into as well. Like I like how the UI looks now, but you know I I think there's always room for improvement when it, when it comes to stuff like that, especially for the scoreboard, which. You know, the scoreboard is brand new. The, the, like the article mentioned, right? They used to have the metal system um, and the on-fire system. And even though I like that, right? Like, I think them leaning towards the scoreboard is them trying to be a bit more focused on competitive and a bit more traditional. And I think for the kind of game Overwatch is, you have to have um, a bit more info there aside from like eliminations and heals, right? I think you do have to have damage mitigated and other things like that to really reflect how people play Overwatch because each role really, it does have a different role right like if you're if you're a tank kills might not matter as much right heals probably don't matter at all but damage mitigated could matter right like there are so many mm -hmm. other elements that like time on on the point could matter um things like that i think uh should be reflected a bit more accurately and balanced on on um the the scoreboard and so like i like hearing about this i think it's very fascinating uh, and i'm this is me making the transition to story number three which is also overwatch it's fascinating coming off of this story from paul tassie at forbes who writes overwatch 2 has lost 99 percent of its twitch audience in a week his article reads like this the overwatch 2 beta launched last week a pivot of the original plan for the game which was going to be a grand release of both a multiplayer overhaul and single player content but Blizzard has decided the, the multiplayer revamp needed to be pushed live sooner so the game can go back to getting updates again. And for a moment there, it looked like Overwatch was set to have a massive resurgence in popularity. But a week makes quite a difference. <clears throat> a difference. And gamers have a short attention span if they're not kept engaged. Overwatch 2 absolutely shattered records with 1.5 million concurrence, uh, concurrent viewers on Twitch boosted partially by people wanting to check out more or less every big name streamer on the platform playing the game while others were motivated by beta access drops that were going on going on during streams so they could get it get in themselves but that enthusiasm seems to have been short-lived about a week after the record was set overwatch has lost 99 percent of those viewers at the time of this writing viewership is down from the peak of 1.5 million to 15,000. and after i read that i was like let me check how to see where overwatch is at uh, right now and even right before i checked uh, uh, right before we started the show it was at like 17.5 thousand so like not too far uh, uh, away from that 
Granted, it's off hours, but that still puts it outside the top 20 most watched games on Twitch and indicates that, no, we probably will not see Overwatch routinely among the top games again, given given that most big streamers went back to their usual fare, be that Fortnite, CSGO, Valorant, League of Legends, Apex Legends, Warzone, etc. And I think this is interesting to look at coming off of our, our conversation that me and you, Jana, had last week on KFG. Mm-hmm. I think it was Wednesday, where we were talking about how, like, yo, is Overwatch back? Like, Overwatch is killing it in terms of viewers. And both of us mentioned that, well, they do have the Twitch drops, and that is bringing in a large amount of people because people want access to the beta. And then also there's the fact that when all the big streamers are streaming Overwatch, that just means that the viewer is going to be crazy because like, a lot of people are watching for the streamers as opposed to just the game itself. Um, so I think that combination leads to having one one and a half million viewers at that time. Um, but that said, right, this is a crazy drop. This is an in, in, insane drop. And I don't know if I'm all the way with Paul Tassi where he mentions that, like, Overwatch is not going to have a resurgence, right? Like it, it is, it is an indication of no, like Overwatch is not going to hang in the in, in the top. But I do think it's an indication of where the beta is at right now. The beta does, and this I think I mentioned this last week too, that the beta, while playing it, while streaming it, the most common question slash comment that I got in my chat and we got in the kind of funny chat is, is this not just Overwatch one? This looks exactly like Overwatch one. Like, is this what's the difference with Overwatch two? So much of it feels so iterative in a way that i think leads to it feeling less interesting at this moment i think they could get there i think once they add like even single player stuff aside once we see those new characters once we see more updates once we see more polish once we see more like ui updates i think we could get to the place where overwatch feels interesting enough to maintain past a first week of viewership but i think right now with where the overwatch 2 update is at for the beta um it's just not as interesting, right? It's not, it doesn't feel like this brand new crazy ass thing. Yeah. And I definitely think like this, I mean, it is a very stark drop off, but I would more so argue that like you mentioned earlier, like our conversation last week, that was more of the, uh, the to me, the anomaly is not the drop off. The anomaly was like the initial spike. And like, yeah. I think when you have a spike that high, like the drop off is going to be inevitable because yeah, it's the statistically it's like, you know, uh, a macro version of like you know you stream so i'm sure you have like these moments if you ever like look at your analytics after like you get an email sometimes it'll be like oh an 800 percent increase in like a subscribe you know if you happen to have like oh i had two the day before so i know that i have like however many yeah. like it's a huge boom and then likewise well funny enough when usually when like those bot things are sending you your stats they only send you like the positive stats instead of like negative whatever you dropped like, off 900 yeah like you're like destitute at this point like but they have similar fluctuations and i think this is just an extreme version of that kind of spike and drop where yeah people were there because they wanted to get into the beta they were there because the people they normally watch were playing it you know i'm sure when the game when overwatch 2 launches whether or not that game is going to be super critically acclaimed or you know warning the sequel like it's going to view like crazy because people are interested in checking it out to see what it's about um but yeah like i don't think that it necessarily is an indictment on the game itself but i will say like so much of the conversation that i'm seeing um that you've already pointed out and like here you know in the chat right now is how is like you know this feels like they just put the number two onto like the game title like it doesn't feel iterative enough it doesn't feel like it's moving things forward and that is the number one thing i feel like they have working against themselves because again they were in that like in between of there was support for such a long time for this game and it was kind of like accepted and known as an ongoing game that mm-hmm. how do you make a switch from being an ongoing game to being a franchise that's not going to feel too stagnated and like we you know 
in terms of like criticism, like we like talk about stagnation and innovation all the time, even in more traditional games that are like single player. Like how is, you know, Horizon 2 innovating enough? Is it innovating enough? Do we feel like this is pushing things for, you know, the Ratchet series, we talk about that all the time. I think it's even more exacerbated in a game like Overwatch where people, there are people that play this game like every day all the time and it being a little bit different isn't gonna feel as big of a leap because that difference can be felt in the updates for the existing game like that's it's hard to i think make that jump while still letting it feel like what people are there for and i'm not really sure what they're going to do about that challenge or or maybe at the end of the day that doesn't matter and that'll be the conversation piece but it won't actually be reflected in the critical acclaim or the sales or the playtime. you know we'll just have to kind of see how it all shakes out but i do think that is like a very loud conversation that doesn't mean that conversation will be substantiated but that is like the loudest noise i hear from the beta as well yeah i think for a, a lot a lot of it for overwatch will be a, a wait and see thing right like how, how do they update it do they does it feel brand new does it feel iterative and i think even if it does feel iterative right like is the iteration enough to keep that audience going and to keep like things like overwatch league uh still vibrant and exciting and i think again going back to the twitch numbers right i think like Overwatch League being off-season right now, I think, does a lot for that as well, where when Overwatch League is active after Overwatch 2, that's going to be crazy. That's going to be a crazy time, and it's going to pop off. Um, but does that sustain? Does Overwatch 2 bring enough to it to, to the table where even with that, even Overwatch League feels like it's uh, something brand new, exciting, and, and something you want to stick along with? We'll have to wait and see. But one more for Blizzard. Story number four, Blizzard has finally revealed its long-awaited mobile game. This is Casey uh, David Weir Taylor at IGN. Get ready to rumble in Blizzard's long-rumored Warcraft mobile game. Warcraft Arclight Rumble was revealed today for iOS and Android. The game invites players to build up an army of their favorite heroes and villains from the World of Warcraft universe and duke it out in a series of tactical-based battles. The game takes place in Azeroth, where Warcraft Arclight, Arclight Rumble is sweeping through taverns and inns thanks to, to some clever gnomish engineering. Players will collect miniatures of famous World of Warcraft characters and build forces to overcome frantic challenges. Blizzard developers call it a, quote, mobile strategy, fast-paced hero and villain collector with a vast PvE campaign, end quote. They also say they were inspired by tower defense games, but Arclight Rumble is more of a tower offense game. Players will choose a leader like Archmage Jaina Proudmoore and fill in the rest of their team with troops and powerful spells. Arclight Rumble offers more than 70 single-player missions to adventure through. If journeying, journeying alongside a friend is your preference, you can play co-op or even go head-to-head in competitive player versus player modes. Uh, players will even be able to join guilds. Janet, are you ready to join a guild in Arclight Rumble? Uh- I am not ready to join the Guild of Dark Light Rumble, but like I think this story—it's one of those like situations where, again, there's like that chasm between I think like the you know, hardcore gaming audience, and by that I mean like people that really stay up like on the news, that are like really you know watching E3 or fake E3 or Summer of Gaming or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that kind of audience um, still is very not like at least vocally not interested they might still like you know download stuff but like there's that that gap between like mobile and like console versus like pc and all that of people just like not being interested in mobile games even though mobile gaming is an intensely huge market um so yeah you know it makes sense for them to expand to this i don't know that this will necessarily be like what the quality level of this in terms of a game of like critical acclaim or not is but you know it makes sense that they're moving into that market and you know we'll see if that audience is interested in having a mobile experience or if this will just be a way to maybe build out a new audience and try to like do the inverse because it's it's servicing one two or both audiences like ideally where it's either 
the hardcore people who like this series following it anywhere, including mobile or people that mm. play on mobile being like, oh, I guess I'll check out. I don't you know, the, the wow that I play is the mobile one and maybe, you know, acquiring people that way. So we'll just have to see. But I, I ultimately I'm not the biggest fan of just in general, like mobile iterations on franchises that exist outside of mobile, just because I don't feel like they usually are done in a way that is super compelling to me based on what I normally like about the base franchise. I feel that. Yeah. Like if when I, I, we talked about them, the like Sony mobile initiative that they've been working on, or at least been hiring people on for. And like, once they announced uh, the reference I made earlier was Kratos run. Once they announced Kratos run, I don't know if I'm going to play that game, but like, you oh, know, you have to, cause we have to talk about it. Like I, I mean, at least for like a whole minute, the, the like, thing I want to do is, is play a mobile game. Like I am so like uninterested, what? but you know, it's because your phone I, gets too hot. Cause I understand. Cause the phone does get uh, hot. Just, I, I already have uses for my phone. I text people, you know, like I watch TikTok. I got, I don't want to be on my phone for video games. Like I, Janet, that's what the steam deck is for. Look, just slot, slot your phone to. No, blessing. I need Look, you to stop it. I need you to fucking stop is. it. Okay. I, got I was playing Rogue Legacy 2 on this thing right yesterday. Here, it was it's just the backbone. I'm like, just slot the phone to the backbone. It's a little. Also, little I appreciate Roger in the chat saying nobody texting you. Bless be real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You don't have to say it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to say it. Uh, but the like, line I mean, it's dry as hell. Blessing. Like, what is the line is so forget? dry? It's, it's just DoorDash being like, "Hey, here's an offer coupon." Is there a way I can block DoorDash? Because DoorDash texts me and, and emails me like five emails. See, per, how did per I order. know though? How did I know? Um, there is, but like, it's gonna be hard to get out of. But yeah, the, mm. the point is, we're not. We're probably not the target audience for this, but we'll see. I, I'm not the target audience for, for this. I do think that there is a target audience. Like for me, this is them trying to replicate. The success of hearthstone but in a different genre like hearthstone was so popular and hearthstone had like the same thing where it was spinoff of world of warcraft i think it had like a similar premise of people would play this in taverns um similar to this and so like i think this is them trying to create another one of those is it going to hit as much as that we'll see like this seems like it is leaning more uh way more into the mobile side of things like hearthstone you know, I, when I first played Hearthstone, I played it on PC, and it felt like playing a PC game. Then they eventually brought it to mobile, and it felt at home there as well. This seems mm -hmm. like something that is like, nah, man, the mobile market is – this is for the mobile market. This is for for, for that crowd, uh, and we'll see if it hits. Like, I, I, I don't – it's hard for me to have doubt in, in Blizzard launches like this when I've seen such, such success with their other stuff. Um, really quick before we move on to the next story, uh, Barrett pulling from chat, Lanky Dragoon blessing gets at an app notification while my phone is blowing up. <laughs> yeah, every time every time DoorDash <laughs> texts me five times in a row, damn man, well who's hitting my line? I check it, it's just DoorDash. It's Stevie. <laughs> I'm just gonna rename the contact of DoorDash in my phone to try and trick people. But like, oh yeah, the line is blowing up. Dee's hollering at me. Yeah, yeah, just put Bay. Just put Bay as. Just put Bay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like somebody picks up my phone and is like why is bay telling you that your order's at the door it's like don't worry don't worry about that that's code that's code story number five bungie has spoken out uh in support of roe v wade this comes from a press release on their website uh at but and this is bungie's words right at bungie we believe that everyone has a right to choose their own path and that freedom is expressed across all facets of life the leaked draft dis decision by the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade represents a blow to freedom in America and is a direct attack on human rights. By creating a divide between those who possess the fundamental right to make healthcare decision decisions that are right for them and those who do not possess that same freedom, this decision, should it become final, will have far-reaching consequences that will, be that will be felt for generations across socioeconomic lines. Bungie is committed to safeguarding the freedom and privacy of its employees and providing support to all employees who, who are affected by this decision. Standing up for reproductive choice and liberty is not a difficult decision to make, and Bungie remains dedicated to upholding these values. 
If you would like to donate to organizations that support rights to healthcare, these are a few you might consider. And then they go on to list um, Urge, which is Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity. Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. Uh, there's NARO, uh, Pro-Choice uh, American Foundation. And then In Our Own Voice. Uh, go get them, Bungie. This is awesome. I, I don't know if there's been any other, in the last like few days, right? any other big, at least company on the gaming side, that has been as vocal about it. And so I love I love seeing Bungie come out and be like, now nah, we're doing this. And it's, it's even more awesome saying that like they're on Twitter replying to folks who are like, no, we don't want this. And like they're, being, they're very much being like, no, we stand by this. Like this is, this it's a concern to us because it's a concern to our employees, right? This is a thing that inflect that, that affects the women and people that work for the company. And so we want to support them. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, hopefully we see more companies like speak out again about this kind of thing. Um, obviously there's always going to be like so much debate, um, about an issue like this, but yeah, I think for me, the answer is obvious, um, in terms of support of Roe v. Wade, just in terms of like having, your right to doing what you're going to do with your body. Um, you know, I've mentioned plenty of times and I don't have like a lot new to add, um, mm. but that this being an issue that statistically impacts women primarily, not exclusively, but like it's a women's rights issue historically, um, that I think is why it's so constantly under attack. Um, and it's really unfortunate, you know, and I'm glad that they are willing to speak on something that is a little bit more on the controversial side of things versus like, there's been plenty of companies that have spoken out um, in support of things like, you know, if there's like a natural disaster or something going on and say, you know, putting aid there. And I think those are all good and well as well. And they, they take their own kinds of effort and organization. But I think taking a stance like this is, even though I feel like it's the obvious answer, it is a little bit on the bolder side for a company to do. And I respect them for doing it and seeing it as, you know, part of supporting their workers uh, in a sense. You know, I, I do think that, debates are kind of inevitable in situations like this. But at the same time, for me, the reason I feel like this is an obvious answer is because when you look at just the human element, the freedom element of it, there's only one answer available to you, regardless, I think, of what your like background and personal beliefs are, um, and just in terms of like how legislation should be. So yeah, shout out to them. I hope I see we see more of it. Oh, yeah. Story number six, Hitman 3's game director has joined Crytek. This is Ryan Dinsdale over the, at the Dinsdale Demodome, a.k.a. at IGN. Hitman 3 director Matthias Engstrom has left IO Interactive to direct Crisis 4 at Crytek Studios. The official Crisis Twitter account shared the news saying Engstrom was joining the team uh, this week to lead the new Crisis game. While he was only a game director at IO Interactive for three years, Engstrom spent much longer at the studio, having worked there since 2014. He previously spent all, uh, almost 10 years at Massive Entertainment from 2004 to 2014, while the studio was developing games such as Assassin's Creed Revelations and Far Cry 3. Very little is known about the new Crisis game, uh, Crytek teased it with a brief trailer in January following an, a leak online, with CEO Avni Yearly uh, saying Crisis 4 is in, quote, the early stages of de development, so it'll be a while yet, end quote. And yeah, it seems like with them hiring on a game director, it is even, it is very early. Uh, that's first and foremost. But then also, congratulations to um, uh, Matthias Engstrom. Um, that's a good game director to have, right? Like, Hitman, yeah. the Hitman games are excellent, especially when you're talking about, like, pure game design. Like, the design of those games are so, so good and so solid. And so, like, that's a pers good person to have on your team. I got so many questions about what Crisis 4 is going to be. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, is, is that going to run on my Steam Deck, Barrett? This thing that got in the mail yesterday that I've been, I've been loving nonstop? You see this, Barrett? It's a Steam Deck. First of all, go fuck yourself, and uh, also, yeah. no. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> Jan, does this excite you? Um, 
not in the sense that like I'm not necessarily like a crisis person, but like I, you know, probably would check it out when it eventually drops. And I do think, you know, I'm definitely a, hit, a fan of Hitman 3 that was like in my top 10 for the year last year throughout mm -hmm. the whole year. Um, and I, I feel like that game doesn't get praised enough. Um, but yeah, like I think that seems like a, a good way to stack out the team and we'll see if it actually like comes to fruition in terms of being something that is, you know, a dope game when it actually launches. Cause obviously like just because you have, you know, great people at the helm doesn't necessarily mean that the product will end up being like yeah. the best thing ever, but it's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're hiring people on to work on a project that you've already greenlit, right? Like maybe like, in the crisis, like <clears throat> I think the thing that crisis has going for it is like at its core, right? It's a first person shooter. First person shooters are still in vogue, right? You can make a, a great first person shooter campaign. Like, and like we've, we've seen, um, it's software put out a dopest, dopest fuck doom, multiple dopest fuck doom games, right? We've seen machine games put out Wolfenstein. Like you can, you can put, you've seen Titanfall too, right? Like you can make a dope ass first person shooter. And I think that's all crisis four needs to be while also like, harkening back and like referencing like the original crisis games and like bringing that 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 world forward um it's not impossible it's not like it's not like they're making um like crackdown 4 or something and it's like cool how does this, how does this work in 2022 like how does a modern version of these games work in 2022 right. i think you make a dope, a dope crisis game and make it work um but yeah it is very interesting to see them hire the game director after the fact um because that is him having to come in and go all right i gotta define this thing i gotta figure out how this thing goes and so good luck to you matthias Last new story for the Roper Report. Story number seven, WWE superstar The Miz wants to play Johnny Cage. This is Adele Anchors at IGN. WWE superstar uh, Mike The Miz Mizanin is throwing his hat into the ring to play Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 2, the upcoming sequel to the 2021 video game movie adaptation. The former WWE champion is so serious about the role that he's already putting in work to hopefully get cast as Johnny Cage in the next Mortal Kombat movie. Speaking on Ryan Satin's Out of Character podcast per comicbook.com, Miz admitted he began training to play the character shortly after people on social media started fan casting him for the role. Quote, I've been working on my splits. I've been working on my kicks, Miz declared. Quote, he continues, as soon as I saw that Mortal Kombat was out and there was no Johnny Cage yet and my name was literally trending worldwide, number one. We want Miz as Johnny Cage. I was like, if they want it to happen, I need to basically make sure that I'm prepared and ready uh, if that opportunity presents itself and uh, or then I will be ready and focused, end quote. To this, I say, you go get him, Miz. I think this is a perfect fit. Janet, you're muted. Sorry, I said it's the training version of like dress for the job you want, you know, situation. So yeah, I don't know. Splits. I mean, yeah, I feel like, you know, you're going to be working out anyway. Like it's it might as well double down and kind of, I guess, drum up additional fanfare that's already like there and, and kind of like voice your support for it um, and then see what ends up happening with it. So, yeah, go for it. Janet, I'm so excited to see if The Miz gets picked to play Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat sequel. But that sequel is just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mammograph Shops today, where would I look? You'd look at the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Do, 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 out today, we got Wildcat Gun Machine for PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, and then an Evasion from Hell for PC, Switch, and Xbox One. Uh, we got no new dates, but we do have a deal of the day. Uh, of course, 
It's May 4th. May the 4th be with you. It is Star Wars Day. Uh, there are a bunch of Star Wars Day deals. I want to highlight a group of Switch deals uh, they can get. This comes from VGC. Uh, you can get Star Wars Episode One Racer, one of my favorite Star Wars games. That right now is $7.49. Uh, there's the Star Wars Heritage Pack. That is five games. Uh, that's at the very least in the UK. This, uh, VGC, of course, is a European website. And so they're listing things in pounds. There's no dollar amount here, so I don't know. If I wonder if that US is a package this. that's only available in, in Europe. Maybe. Yeah, if you're in Europe, it is Because they give 30... dollar amounts for the rest of them. But just they do. This is 36 pounds. 36 pounds in, in 21, right? And so, like, if you're in Europe, you can probably get take advantage of the Heritage Pack. If they're in, if you're in the U.S., at the very least, you can get Star Wars Jedi Knight uh, Jedi Academy for 10 bucks. Uh, there's Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast, 5 bucks. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic for Switch, oh, that's $11.24. The Star Wars Pinball... $14.99 in the Star Wars Republic Commando you can get for $7. I love that pinball out of all of these is the most expensive uh, title on its own. I mean, there's probably something special about it. I never played the Star Wars pinball game, but it must be off the chain. It must be like, you I remember mean, when Pokemon pinball came out? play pinball, you know. Yeah. Nah, but like the pinball people, the pinball people know. <laughs> like different pinball machines, is, it's like a very um, important thing. Like they all have different features, different objectives, different styles, different lights that shine at you. It's very important. Trust yes. me. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. You write and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services around the globe. Let's see here. Uh, people write in about you're wrong regarding how to make waffles. We're not going to do this every single week, guys. All right. I can't read your you're wrongs about waffles because you guys are the wrong ones. It's okay to microwave your waffles. Uh, Nano says, while Hearthstone does take place in a tavern, the idea is actually a spin from the original World of Warcraft TCG from 2006. I don't know if that's you're wrong, but I think that is just uh, additional info there. And then, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Blessing just butchered the Mrs. Last Name. Is, <clears throat> excuse me. I, like, I've had something in my throat this whole entire show. I apologize. Uh, uh, the Mrs. Last Name is pronounced Mizanin, not Mizanin. So there you go. Sure. And then the last you're wrong is the same thing. And so there you go. Mi the, uh, Mike Mizanin. 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 Janet, tomorrow's hosts for Kind of Funny Games Daily are Greg and Tim. Before we go, where can people find you? You can find me across the internet under the handle GameOnsys. That's Game O-N-Y-S-U-S. Hell yeah. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike and Andy playing some of that Returnal. If you want to cast that stream later, you can subscribe to youtube.com slash kindoffunnyplays. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>